So here's where our story begins. We're actually going to back up a little bit and get a running start to Elijah, okay? The story begins, I mean, when, when we first see Elijah, the, the kingdom of Israel is a divided kingdom now, okay? So, so let's back up and let's first of all look and see how did it end up this way? Okay, this is God's kingdom. It was a theocracy is what it was supposed to be, is that God made the rules. God chose things, and so God sent the blessings. They weren't dependent upon a king. They weren't dependent upon judges. They were dependent upon God. But now the kingdom had become divided. Now, how did this happen? First of all, it begins with Solomon. Solomon was King David's son. He followed. He became the next king. King David was a man that God called, he said this about him, he said, he's a man after my own heart. But Solomon, even though he started out really good, and Solomon was this guy, you know, he was considered the wisest man that ever lived. He, uh, he had such wisdom that God had given to him. Solomon, after a while though, he stopped being obedient to God in all of the things that God had told him to do. And specifically, one of the specific things he did was, is, is he stopped following God in, in obedience in marriage. He began marrying a lot of women. He had hundreds of wives. Now, come on, guys. Can't you see that he's setting himself up for disaster right here? You know, my wife's always said I could have another wife and she'll do the laundry and the dishes, you know, that I could have another wife, okay? But it doesn't work that way, does it? I mean, you don't just get to pick the things that you want. He had hundreds of wives, and he, had, he also had hundreds of concubines. Now, these were like secondary wives. They weren't royalty, so they couldn't be like queens, you know, or they couldn't be considered wives. He had hundreds of these. And, you know, if you just think about, think about all, all the, the struggles that you would have in something like this. I mean, if, if he had breakfast with one wife and lunch with another wife and dinner with another wife, I mean, you know, it would take, it would take him a year to go through, uh, you know, a thousand wives, you know, just having breakfast, lunch, or dinner with a different one to getting around. There's no way. God told him, you, you can't do this. And it's kind of in the same way that, that we do in the, in the United States. You know, we, we don't allow that, you know, that presidents can be, you know, they have, to be, they have to be born a citizen of the United States to be president of the United States. Why? Because they will have loyalties outside of our nation. That's what God was telling Solomon. If you marry these other women, you marry many, they're going to bring in loyalties to other people. And it's exactly what God, it's, it's exactly what happened to Solomon. And what Solomon did is Solomon began, Solomon began to, to also adopt because he, he brought these women in from other nations and they brought their gods. They brought their idols. They brought their worship. And Solomon also started to, started to adopt their worship. Secondly, so Solomon started with this. Secondly, Solomon lived beyond his means or beyond God's blessings. Let me, let me tell you what I mean there. Is, is Solomon, he, now he had means like here, you know, here's, here's the thing is when, when you have means here, you can't live beyond your means. Now, some of you have means here and some here, some of you guys have means way above, you know, what any of us, any of the rest of us are ever going to enjoy. But the important thing is don't live beyond whatever your means are. Now, Solomon, he was, he was king of a nation, and God says, I am going to bless you because you have chosen so wisely. God says, I'm going to bless you. You're going to have so much, so much, so much. But Solomon went even beyond all the blessings of God and tried to live even beyond what God had blessed him with. Get this, understand. You see, he, he went beyond the riches of the nation, and he started making taxes higher and higher and higher 
Sound familiar? It started making taxes higher and higher and higher to pay for his lavish lifestyle and, and putting, putting his kingdom further and further and further into jeopardy. He started, even though God had said, I'm going to bless you, and God tremendously blessed him, he, he just continued. Probably it was all those hundreds of wives that he had to, you know, had to give a credit card to and send them to Walmart every day or whatever, you know? But I mean, he, he just kept living beyond his means. And, and here's, here's the danger in this, is God wants you to trust God him. He doesn't want you to trust in, you know, in, in, in another job or, or, or another side job or another this or another. He, he wants you to trust him. And so don't live beyond what God has blessed you to do. Don't try to, you know, if, you, if your neighbors have, you know, five cars, three boats, you know, and six bedrooms, and even though there's only two of them in the house, you don't have to measure up with that. Live in what God has given you because that's trusting God. These two big sins were the things that set the nation up to be divided because now all of, now all of a sudden they've got all these other gods that they're worshiping. God's nation is worshiping. And now the nation is so burdened down that when Solomon is burdened down by, by taxes, that when Solomon dies, his son Rehoboam is going to be the next king and the Israelites come to him. Now God prophesies to Solomon, this is gonna happen, the, the kingdom is going to be divided but he said, I'm not, just for my servant David, your father's sake, I'm not going to let it happen in your lifetime. I'm going to let it happen in your son's lifetime. And when Rehoboam takes the throne, the Israelites, they come in, they said, now look, your daddy put a lot of heavy taxes on us and we got to have some relief. And Rehoboam, he went, he said, he said, give me three days to think about this. Now that was wise. That was wise. That was a good thing. And he said, let, let me have three days. And so then he went to the, to, to the wise men that had counseled his father. Oh man, there's something that is there too, isn't there? The wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, also had counselors. See, some of you, some of you are still trying to live this lone wolf lifestyle that you don't need anybody. But even Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, had godly counselors, wise counselors that he could bounce ideas off of. If the wisest man that ever lived needed somebody to talk to, then guess what? You and I probably, we need somebody to talk to every once in a while too. So Rehoboam goes to these guys and they say, what, what, what should I do? And they say, tell them you're going to be their servant. Tell them you're going to ease the taxes. Tell them you're going to do whatever it takes to help them have an awesome life. And, and, and the fact that they responded in this way so quickly makes me think that perhaps they were telling Solomon the same thing before Solomon died and Solomon wouldn't wouldn't listen. You know, it's, you know what Rehoboam did? He wouldn't listen either. And so, so he set aside their wisdom and he went to the guys, his friends, his buddies, the guys he grew up with, the ones who were his confidants, and he said, look, they're all coming to me, they want this, here's what my dad's, you know, those old men that don't know any better, you know, here's what they think I ought to do. He said, what are you guys? And so he asked his buddies, the guys he grew up with, and they said, no, don't do that. Tell them you're going to beat them. Tell them you're going to put more taxes. If they think your dad was bad, you tell them you're going to be the worst there ever was. So why in the world do they do that? I mean, that's the craziest thing in the world. Isn't that not the craziest thing to do when they're saying, look, we got to have some help here or we're going to have to do something else? Is to threaten them and say, no, I'm going to be even worse than that. Why would they do that? The reason his buddies did that is because they began to see that, no, this is our opportunity. 
We're gonna take the the place of those wise men that Solomon had, and this is now our opportunity, and we don't want him to reduce the taxes because we want to be able to enjoy the lavish, lush lifestyle that Solomon and his wise men, and so they said, no, tell him we're not cutting back on taxes at all. As a matter of fact, we probably need a couple extra boats, you know, in the driveway, you know, and we need a few other chariots and horses in the backyard and some things, and so they said, increase it and increase it. Here's the lesson right here. Here's the lesson is that if you are bound and determined to do something, you can find someone to agree with you. You can find someone to agree with whatever you have decided is the best course of action. But what you need, here's a second lesson. What you need, every one of us needs someone who is older than us to talk to. We need someone that is, and I know a lot of times what we think about, especially the younger we are, we think, well, the older you get, the more out of touch you get. But can, can I tell you something? The problems you're dealing with, they're not new. You know, the, the sexual perversion that is going on in this country today, can I tell you something? Sex wasn't created after you were born. The people who are older than you, they dealt with those issues as well. Addictions and, and, and desires and things that grip you and, and, and won't let go of you, those things haven't just come to pass in the last couple of decades or three or four decades, they've always been around. So these older people that, that we say, oh, they can't ever help me, or, or that guy who's 10 years older than me, he can't ever help me. He understands what it's like, because let me tell you something else about, uh, about those, you know, those sexual desires and things and addictions and those kinds of things. They never go away either. They don't go away. If you're, if you're an addict, chances are you, you might always deal with that, and God may leave that with you. There's something that you always have to fight and you. Sometimes that happens. Paul said he had a thorn in the flesh. He had something that God had left with him. It never goes away. So understand, you need somebody older than you talk because what you need is you don't need one of your buddies who is in the same situation with you because here's what your buddies are going to be doing is because they're in the same situation and what they're doing is just like these guys that were, that were friends of Rehoboam. They are, going, they are trying to also validate and justify the reason they live the way they do and so they're going to say, don't worry about it, Rehoboam. It's all going to be all right. You need somebody who's been there, who's been through it and is still fighting the battle to look at your situation from the outside and say, I know you're going to replace me. I know I'm not going to be your buddy. I know we're not going to lunch next week. I know that you're not going to invite me to, 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 you know, to go to the beach with you or whatever. I know I'm not going to be in your inner circle so I can speak openly and freely here. Let me tell you, you're making a mistake. Every one of us needs someone like that in our life to tell us, here's where you're blowing it. Here's where you're making a mistake. Rehoboam ignored that. He would not listen to the godly wisdom and counsel that God had put in his life, had set right there. And so the Israelites left him. 10 tribes left that day. When he went back and he said, I'm gonna be mean, I'm gonna be tougher than my, than my father, I'm gonna have 10 tribes left him. And those 10 tribes from that point on came to be known as the nation of Israel. They were then the nation of Israel. There were two tribes left. The tribe of Benjamin, which is the, the tribe, actually the tribe that David came from, so David, Solomon, now Rehoboam, that was their tribe. They stayed with Rehoboam and the tribe of Judah. And so the two southern tribes, they became known from that point on for the next 350 years. They were known as the, as the kingdom of Judah. So now we have this divided kingdom. And here, here's something uh, interesting also to me is about these divided kingdoms is, is that, that, that 10 tribe nation that, that continued to be known as the nation of Israel. 
that their next king, Jeroboam, now this gets really confusing sometimes if you're not careful. You got Rehoboam and Jeroboam, right? It gets confusing. But Jeroboam immediately leads them into idolatry. He immediately leads them even further than Solomon had allowed the nation to slip. He immediately leads them there. And so he takes them into idolatry. But here's something even more interesting is that throughout the next uh, 350, 400 years that, that the two tribes in the south are still in existence before the Babylonians come in and overthrow them and take them away and take them, take them captive. For those next 350, 400 years that they are in existence, the nation, the kingdom of Judah, has a good king and a bad king. Two good kings and three bad kings. And a good king and a bad, and a back and forth, some good kings and bad kings. And the, and the kingdom of Judah, they follow God as long as the king follows God. It is important who you are following. It is important who you are following. Because when they had a righteous king, the nation was righteous. It's important who you vote for. Oh, we don't hear that normally except in November, right? Or late October. It's important who you, it is important who we choose to be our leaders. Because Israel chose Jeroboam and he led them into idolatry, even deeper into idolatry. Because of that, they went farther and farther and farther and farther away from God. Because here's, like I said, the two tribes there, they had, they had you know, good and bad and good and bad. Those 10 northern tribes that continue to be known as the nation of Israel, they never, ever had a righteous king. They left, they left the nation, even though they took the name with them, they left the nation. They left the kingship the, that God had set up under the household of David. They left that, and because of that, they never had a righteous king after that. For all the years, for, for 250 years or so, until they were, they were taken away by the Assyrians into captivity. They never had a righteous. Every king they had was a bad king. And the worst was Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Now Solomon, he took them into idolatry. Jeroboam took them further into idolatry. We're talking about those northern 10 kingdoms that have turned their back on God, that are now doing their own thing, still called the nation of Israel, the kingdom of Israel. But now they've got another king, a few generations down from Rehoboam, and his name is Ahab. And I'm not telling you he's the worst. God tells us he's the worst. First Kings chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter, daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. He was more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. At the time this was written, he was more evil than any of those that were before him. He was the worst, and his wife was even worse. As a matter of fact, if you, if you study the history and you look at all of you, you will see that, that a lot of, what a lot of people say is Ahab was really just this weak, henpecked king, that his wife was so evil, and she was able to twist him around her finger. And, and, and there was actually a, a good example is, is, is the, the vineyard next to him that he wanted to have. Read that story, awesome story, and you will understand that it was really this woman that was so, that was so evil, and, and that there was never anyone more evil than Ahab and Jezebel. I don't have time to tell you all the details, but I want to tell you three things that they considered probably reforms that were disastrous for the nation of Israel. Remember, we're in those top 
those 10 northern tribes, that nation, is first of all, they led them to abandon Jehovah. Now Solomon, he still tried to hold on to Jehovah and the idols, okay? He's trying to hold on to both, right? You know, that just doesn't work. Uh, Rehoboam, though, he began to bring in more idols and more idols, but, but Ahab and Jezebel totally wanted to totally just disregard and, and leave behind Jehovah and worship the idols specifically of Baal and Asherah. Again, not a lot of time for detail right here, but let me tell you some of the, some of the grave sins of following in the idolatry of especially Asherah are the sexual perversions that were prevalent in the ones who worshiped Asherah, okay? And uh, some of this would, yes, some of this would be beyond an R rating if I were to tell you the things and speak the things that they were involved in, okay? And then the third thing is she began executing the true followers of Jehovah God. She began killing them and executing them. This was, the, this was the, the kingdom, this northern kingdom uh, uh, that was still called Israel, these 10 tribes that had turned their back on God and walked away. This is how it ended up divided, and this is the shape that it ended up in, a divided kingdom, and this is how they got there. Just before we go on with our story and, and, and really into the part that's about Elijah, though, I, I got to tell you that there are a lot of parallels to where you and I are today and where they were. We today live in a divided kingdom. This is, a, this is a, a country that at one point, and it's still there on our money today, that we are one nation under God. It's still in our money today. It's still in our, you know, it's still in our Pledge of Allegiance today. But this, this kingdom that you and I live in is becoming divided. And whereas 10, 20, 30 years ago, it was kind of hard to see who the real Christians were and who the ones were who just kind of professed, oh uh, yeah, I go to such and such church down the street. We used to have a joke, you know, when I was, you know, when I was playing softball and, and uh, one of the things we, we always said is, you know, if you add somebody to your roster, they have to know the color of the carpet in your church to prove that they actually went to your church, right? You know, so, so, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, it was hard to tell because, you know, everybody kind of just at least wanted to act Christian or to, to profess Christianity or to kind of be, but today it's not as hard anymore, is it? Because people are so openly antagonistic against the word of God and against Christianity. We live today in a divided nation because heresy, uh, that, that basically means taking taking the word of God and twisting it and making it what you want it to be. We live in a time of heresy, in a time of sexual perversion and persecution of Christians that is ever growing. This is, this is where you and I live today. And, and, and for some of you who are 20 years old or thereabouts and younger, you know, my heart breaks for you because you don't really see and know and understand and see what this nation was at one time. But for those of you who are older than that and, and you kind of remember just a, a few decades ago and, and remember how, how strong we were in, in, in proclaiming that we were a Christian nation, you know, for, for those of you who remember that, I have to say to us, shame on us because we lost it. We're the ones who lost it. We're the ones who, like the 10 tribes, say, but this isn't what we want. We want our own way, and so we're going to go over here, and we're going to do it our way. And so God says, okay, you can have it your way then. But when you get it your way in this, you get it your way in everything. God can't bless. You know, I think, I think a lot of times, a lot of times I think of that, that you, know, you heard it, can't touch that. I, I think that's what God says sometimes. God says, I can't touch that. 
because we're no longer trusting him and we're no longer obeying him. This is the place where Elijah shows up out of nowhere. And and this message today is not so much historical as it is a warning to us and a reminder to us that we need Elijah to show up again. Out of nowhere, we need God to show up through a prophet again who will will once again remind us what the word of God says and, and remind us of who we are. Can I remind you today? Can I remind you today who you are? You are the blood-bought. You were the ones just last week we we were remembering, the last two Sundays, we were remembering the sacrifice that Jesus gave when when he died on the cross of Calvary and shed his blood. You are the blood-bought. Remember who you are today. You are, not the, you are not of that other kingdom. You are of the kingdom of God that, is, that has washed away your sins. You are of the kingdom of God that, that because Jesus Christ got up on the third day, you don't have to live not just in sin, but you also don't have to live in defeat. You don't have to, li- to live under addictions. You can be free. You can live above those things because Jesus Christ got up on the third day. Amen. Yes, why don't you you just give him a hand and say, that's my claim of faith, that yes, that's that's me, pastor. That's me, that's me. Claim that, get a hold of that. Elijah shows up out of nowhere. We don't know who he is. The only thing we know about him is he's a Tishbite. That just means where he came from. I'm a Lipscombite. You don't know what a Lipscombite? Some of y'all don't even know where Lipscomb is. I grew up in Lipscomb back when Lipscomb was a good place to grow up in. I'm a little scared to go over there nowadays, but I mean, you know, especially when it starts getting late in the day. But lips, lips, our lips go on me, or what, you know, and that's, if that's all you knew, that's all we knew about him from Tishba in Gilead. He shows up out of, we don't know his parents. We don't, we don't know his religion. We don't know anything about this yet, but we're going to find out. We're going to find out, you know, um, Andy Stanley is reading some quotes, you know, past several weeks about Easter, and Andy Stanley read one of his. He said, he's talking about Jesus. He said, if a man can predict his death and resurrection from the dead, and then he pulls it off, I I think I'm going to listen to what he has to say. This is where Ahab is. We don't know who Ahab is yet. But when he starts speaking things and they start happening, then we got to say, okay, we need to listen to this guy. Because something's real, because he's not doing it as a charlatan or as a magician to try and get some money. He's not doing it to just try to gather crowds because he never really gathers a crowd. He is doing it because God has put it, put it on his heart to do it, and he speaks it because he is drawing people back to God, okay? And that's what a prophet will do. A prophet will bring people back to God. A prophet does not, a prophet does not drive the people who are sincere in their heart away from God. A prophet draws them to God. And here we will learn that Ahab is a, is a prophet of God. And here's the first, here's the first prophecy we have recorded of, of Elijah. First Kings chapter 70, verse one. He says, as the Lord, the God of Israel is, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. You know, right here I'm saying, Elijah's already got it all figured out. I mean, he's, he's already prophesying. I mean, he's already speaking. And boom, the heavens shut up. There is no rain. For three and a half years, there is not a drop of rain according to to the history that we have. There is not a drop of rain for three and a half years. You know what happens when you don't have rain for three and a half years? Ponds dry up. You know what happens on farms when ponds dry up? Livestock die. 
You know what happens on farms when, when, when sources of water dry up? Crops do not grow. They are burnt, scorched by the sun. They die, they wither away. For three and a half years, there is no rain. Crops are dying, livestock are dying because you can't take the little bit of water that you need for your, you can't, for your family, you can't, even though you need that cow, you know, you, you need that cow to be able to kill and eat next, next month. If you die because you're not drinking water, that cow ain't gonna do you any good standing out there in the field anymore. So you gotta take that water and you gotta feed your family. And so all these things are, all these things are happening. And the remnant, there is a remnant. You'll hear about the remnant more next week. There is a remnant, the resistance, the ones who are quietly still hanging on to God and quietly they go into hiding. And where is Elijah for three and a half years? Here's where Elijah is. He is learning to trust and obey. Three quick stories and we'll wrap this up. Here's the first one, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 2-4. He speaks this prophecy, there will be neither rain for, for several years until I say there's gonna be rain. Until God's word through me is spoken and there's gonna be rain, there will be no rain. So here's, where, here's what God tells Elijah, 1 Kings 17, verse two through four. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. And so he goes there and these ravens, they, they come in and they, they bring him food. They bring, can you imagine, you ever seen a raven or you know, something like a crow? You, know, you, you ever seen them bring food? No, man, I've, I've seen them tear stuff up on the side of the road you know, rip it up, you know, and then flying away, you know, some poor little animal's entrails, you know, just hanging from their beak as they're just flying away, right? Ravens don't bring food. This is a miracle. Are you seeing this? Look at this miracle. What a miracle. Okay, now there are some people, if you study enough, you're going to find some people say, well, probably the, the writer of the history got the wrong dots. If you've ever looked at Hebrew language, there are dots around some of the things and where the dots are means what letter it is and some of the, you know. And so if you change the dot over here, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean raven, it means Bedouin. You know, that, that's like the nomads, you know, the Arab nomads, you know. And so it means Bedouin. And God says, you can drink from the brook, Kareth, and I will, I will ha- I've got some Bedouins over there who are gonna feed you. Okay, let me tell you something. You guys can argue over all that stuff you want to argue over with. I don't care. I don't care how God meets my needs. I don't care if he sends some Arab nomads into my backyard to set up their tent and to feed me or if he sends some, some birds with some food in their beak to feed. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. If God says, here's how I'm going to feed you, even if I, as, if I miss it, oh God, I don't understand it, God, but I'm going to go there and I'm going to see whether there's birds or whether there's Bedouins there. I'm just going to go see it. I'm going to trust that God is going to do it. I'm going to obey and then I'm going to just watch him do it. You know, so, so, you know, you guys can argue over it if you want to. If you can get into that on, online, you can get into that Facebook, you know, if you want to and get into that argument, go ahead. But as for me, I just want to trust and obey and receive the benefit. Now, eventually the brook dries up. We don't have time to read all of this, but the brook dries up. And then God speaks to him again. Well, let's go ahead. Let's go on in. Here's the next story. This just, we'll stop here in a second. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Get at once to Zarephath in the, in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Okay, so now the brook dries up and, and God says, okay, now go somewhere else. I've, I've got another place I'm gonna take care of you. But you know what most of us do, don't we? Well, you know, this brook thing kind of worked for a long time. I know God says he's got something over there. But this brook thing was working really good. You know, if I can find another brook, I might be able to find some more Bedouins or birds. 
I just, got a, I just got an idea that there ain't no more birds showing up with any more food unless God is speaking to the birds, you know. But that's what we do. We find something that works. And you know what we do? We end up destroying ourselves. We end up, we end up starving ourselves to death trying to resurrect what God said yesterday instead of walking in obedience to what God says today. And churches are dying because of it. Christians are dying, withering on the vine of what God wants to do and give you, you know, oh man, so many people can get, I mean, get excited. I, I try not, I don't even want to use the, but there's so many that are there in the scripture. God says, I'll do a new thing. And here's the problem is you're still involved in the old thing. God says, I'm doing a new thing. You're still, you're still here at the dried up brook. And God says, no, I, I got a new brook. I got a new place. I, I, I've got streams pouring through the desert. If you'll just listen to me, I got a place to take you. And, and in this time of layoffs, in this time of, of not making ends meet, in this time of not, God says, I got a brook. I got a place. I got some Bedouins. I've got some, I got some ravens. I, I got some someone to take if you just listen to me and quit trying to resurrect yesterday come on let yesterday die let it die it was yesterday I know some people want to go back yesterday and get that old music y'all 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 watch any of those old bible shows on movies on tv Y'all want to go back to the original music of the New Testament? Y'all going by yourself. I ain't going back to some of that old stuff. I mean, this ain't about music. This is about finding where God is today and where his thing is. Here's the, here's the scary thing. Did you, did you see where he said to go Zarephath, where in the region of Sidon? We haven't we seen that word? We didn't see that word just a few moments ago. That Jezebel... Now, remember, he's kind of hiding from Jezebel now because he's, he's, he's prophesied a, 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 a drought. And so he's having a high, and he says, go to Jezebel. Her dad was the king of the Sidonians. So God's sending him into Jezebel's old home territory. So now he's, I'm sure if he's like us, he's trying to figure out another way. God, what, 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 God no, this brook thing worked out really good. Can't you find me another brook somewhere? Not, not, don't, don't send me over there where she's from. If she's visiting her family, I could run into her today, God. And so we try to figure out a different way for God to do it. God says, I, I've, I've told someone to take care of you there and to go there. So he goes there. And he goes in and, and, and he spots the woman God directs him to. And, and he, says, he, says, he says, man, what are you doing? And she says, I'm gathering a few sticks. I've got enough meal and enough oil that I'm going to make one last meal for me and my son. Then we'll just die because there's nothing left. And Elijah said, make me one first. Uh, and he says, uh, this is verse 13 and 14 of that same chapter. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Uh, rain on the land. Now here, here, here's a couple of things. There's a lot of faith that is, that's going to have to happen in the next few moments. This, this lady is going to have to go back to her house and she is going to have to take a little bit of that meal, a little bit of that oil and make a little cake and cook it over that little fire that she was making by gathering those sticks and give it, knowing that she didn't even have enough for a good meal for her and her son, but take part of that and give it to this man. Who, who are you now? But God said, I have directed as a widow in Zarephath. 
Perhaps in the middle of the night, she had a dream and God said, I'm sending somebody here. You take care of them tomorrow. Or perhaps she woke up in the middle of the night and God said, somebody's going somebody's gonna to come and they're going to say, make them a little cake. Just make them a little cake. That's all you got to do. And when, when that was spoken, now she has to trust and obey. But let me throw this in at you real quick before we, before we go to this last third thing. I, I, I know I know we got to hurry. He's not the only one. I'm, I'm sorry. She's not the only one that had to have faith right there. Put yourself in Elijah's shoes right now. Little widow woman, she's making the last meal for her and her son. And he says, now make me one first. And so she makes one first for him and brings it to him. And he's holding that cake. And he's looking at that little widow woman. He's looking at that little orphan boy. Got his mom, but doesn't have a dad. Nobody take care of him. He's looking at that cake and looking at them. And he's saying, God, please, just, just let them eat this, God. What kind of faith that had to take for Elijah to eat half of what she had left. But Elijah was learning to trust and obey. And he ate his cake. She went back and she fixed some more. And after dinner, she happened to look and said, what? I thought that thing was empty. The next morning she got up, she went to, the, she went to that little barrel, of, oil, uh, barrel of, uh, of meal and there was some more. And she looked at the cruise of oil and there was some more. And she made lunch and she went back at dinner and there was some more. And she went back the next day and there was some more. She went back the next day and until the drought was over, the meal continued. It's, see, here's what happens when you keep trying to resurrect yesterday instead of standing in what God's doing today. You will miss the next awesome miracle he wants to do in your life. When you're still trying to figure out how yesterday worked so that I can make it happen all over again today, you're going to miss what God wants to do in your life today. Last story real quick. Same lady, verse 17 and 18. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? So this little boy that Elijah has eaten half of his lunch on that first day, remember? His last meal. This little boy dies. Now, it was one thing to, to tell a king it ain't gonna rain for three and a half years. It's another thing to go to a brook and just see if God showed up with the ravens or Bedouins or whatever, you know, y'all wanted, y'all wanted half, you know. I don't really care. And it was another thing to go up there and eat that lady's cake. But now he's got a dead boy on his hand. He's got a dead boy on his hand. And now it's, it's like, what, what am I gonna do with God? What am I gonna do with this, God? And he takes him into a room where he'd been staying, lays him out on the bed. And he prays and he lays over the boy and, and, and he asks God, come back and send this boy's life back into his body. And he gets up and he prays and he, and he lays, on the, lays over that boy again and says, and again, listen, some of those naysayers out there, you know what they say? They say, well, the little boy probably wasn't dead. No, all it, all it really took was the, the warmth of Elijah's body to just bring him out of the catatonic state that he was in. And after he laid on him three times, he had enough warmth in his body that he finally woke up. Okay, go. if that's what you want to believe, you go ahead and believe that. But the mama said he was dead. Now, I guarantee you, the last person who is going to declare death over a little boy is the mama. And if the mama said he was dead, I got to believe he was dead. 
You know, the doctor may say he's dead, but mama's going to be praying. Mama's going to be seeing. Mama said he was dead. And after he laid on him the third time, the boy's life came back into his soul. If you stay at where you were, if you stay where you were last week, if you stay where you were last month, and if you stay in where you are right now, you will never see the amazing of what God wants to do in your life. There is more than a touch, more than a blessing, more than a smile, more than a good, just a good sounding song that God has for you today. God has an amazing thing he wants to do in your life. But we've got to learn the first lesson, and that is we've got to start trusting him and obeying him. And here, here, here's the thing about trusting and obey, okay? Is that obedience is trust in action. You can say all day long that you trust God, but if you're not obedient, you don't really trust him. Elijah could stand at that dried up brook at the Kareth Ravine and say, oh, I trust God to take care of me, but I'm just waiting for this brook, see if it comes back. That's disobedience. When he acted in obedience, he was proving, I trust God. There's gonna be a woman in Zarephath waiting to make me a cake. I trust God when I pray this boy is coming back to life. Three last thing about miracles. Catch this. I'm going to bring you down here in the middle, in, in the middle of these right here. The, the first one is, okay, everybody, we struggle to believe. We don't, a lot of times, have the faith to trust and obey because we don't see the miracles that previous generations saw. Or, but, but let me remind you of this also. There are miracles happening in other lands that aren't happening in the United States of America. And we, we, we don't have the faith to trust and obey because we're not seeing those miracles that our previous generations or other lands are seeing. Or is it the other way around? That we're not seeing the miracles because we are not exercising the faith to trust and obey. If you start exercising the faith to trust and obey, you're gonna start seeing things happen. And here, here, here's the way it happens. Most of the time, it starts with little things, baby steps. God's probably not going to, you know, if you've never trusted in God fully and hopefully and obeyed him, and he's probably not going to have you go try to raise somebody from the dead this afternoon. If he does, call me. I want to be there. He's probably not going to do that. Let me tell you for me, very early on in our ministry, I, I shared this story a long time ago. Had it in a while. I'll do it real quickly because I've I really got to stop. But, but I just want to encourage somebody right here for you to understand this. It is, it is I... I had to hurry. I was, I was my first position in ministry. I had to hurry to a, to a revival service middle of the week. I was by myself. Dave and the kids couldn't go with me that night. I don't know if a kid was sick. I don't remember any of those details. I just remember being by myself. I only had enough gas to get there. And I had $3 in my pocket. I was going to buy gas to get home. Now $3 used to buy a lot more gas. We lived 20, 20 minutes from, uh, from the church where I was serving. So it was a big deal to have gas to get home. Okay. And, uh, so I'm sitting there in the middle, and we're at Revival. We've got an evangelist that is there, and the offering plate is coming by, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't really have anything to give, and I feel fully inside of me, God says, give the $3. And I'm like, and then what, God? <laughs> Ask somebody for a ride home? Then what, God? What am I going to, and, and, and I, could, I couldn't get past that. Give the $3, give the $3. $3 is not a big amount of money until it's all you got. And then they tell you, it, it could have, $3,000 was not more than $3 to me that night. I reached in my pocket, I took that $3. 
And I put it in that, I put it in that offering bag as it went by me. It's going to be a long walk home if God doesn't do something. Kind of put it out of my mind, tried to enjoy the rest of the service. Kind of hard sometimes, though, isn't it? <laughs> and then at the close of the service, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on staff, so I got to shake everybody, every hand that I can. I got to, you know, see if anybody needs me or whatever. And, and one sweet retired lady on a fixed income, she walked up to me and she shook my hand and she said, I, I, I don't know why, but I just need to give you this. I looked down and there was $5 in my hand. $5 is not a lot of money, unless you got zero. And your gas tank is empty. You see, it began with me really, really small. $3 became five in a matter of minutes. In less than an hour, $3 became five. And I realized, you know, it's not about the three becoming five, it's about the trust and obey to realize God's already got a plan for something. He's just waiting for you to join into the plan. And here's the... Here's, Here's the last thing I'm going to bring you down front. Is this real quick? The, the third thing is, if you can figure out how it's going to happen, then it won't be a miracle. So quit worrying about trying to figure out how it's going to happen. Quit figuring, quit trying to say, well, if it's this, this I, I, if you can figure it out, it won't be a miracle. So when God speaks, just trust and obey.